Hey everyone, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. It is Friday, October 14th, 2022. We have a wild and crazy show for you today. The Big 12 has decided no divisions while Texas and OU are in the conference for the remainder of the period that they're in the conference. Also, West Virginia and Baylor put on a clinic on a Thursday night, an entertaining Thursday night football game for once at NFL. And also, we have a full weekend slate to preview three games, three big games in the Big 12 coming up. So much to get to, all that and more coming up on the show today. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Locked On Big 12 Podcast, Josh Neighbors here. Make sure you guys subscribe. We are very very close to our goal of 2,300 subscribers, less than 10 to go. Please subscribe and help us get there right now. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at LOBig12. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. We've got so much to get to on the show today. I mean, we have a packed show that's got Big 12 news about conference realignment. We've got Big 12 news, uh, or, you know, we had a game last night. We got three games coming up this weekend so let's go news first and then we'll dive into the actual ball um so this came from ross dellinger 15 hours ago it actually came you know last night on thursday night it says big 12 expected to adopt two-year divisionless format football scheduling and so the way this is going to work is that they're not going to we talked a lot about basically when the big 12 does go to 14 teams and appears for right now in 2023, 2024 football season, so next fall, that UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU will join the Big 12. And Texas and Oklahoma are not going to be going to the SEC just yet. They will still be in the league. That's the way it's going to work. But they're not going to go with divisions. We talked about two 17 divisions. I think what the Big 12 is trying to do here is basically set themselves up for the future. They're not going to go with divisions. They're not going to use that. They're going to have everybody basically guaranteed to play each other. Uh, if you know if it's 23-24, you're going to play every single team in the Big 12 at least once in that time period. They guarantee that. Now, they are going to protect rivalries is what they said also. So that's part of this too. So Texas-Oklahoma – is going to be played. The league is finalizing a future scheduling format that features no divisions, protects longstanding rivalries, and includes Texas and Oklahoma in both the 23 and 24 seasons. Conference executives agreed to the temporary two-year format during meetings earlier this week in Dallas, sources tell Sports Illustrated. They have not officially adopted the model and are still finalizing details. For months now, Big 12 officials have been engrossed in deep discussions about a scheduling format for 23 and 24 when the conference swells to 14 members with UCF, BYU, and Houston. <clears throat> Excuse me. In the targeted format, uh, in the targeted format, conference members will continue to play nine league games in a divisionless model with the two top teams advancing to a championship game. The format is set up for each team to play all the others at least once. Historic rivalries are protected on an annual basis that will be uh, you know having permanent opponents. Those matchups are not yet official but are likely to include games such as Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Kansas, Kansas State, TCU, Baylor, Baylor, West Virginia, Cincinnati. Uh, and, you know, in the, the latter, they said as a natural uh, matchup that they're going to have. So 
you guys can see right here that they're trying to maintain some scheduling integrity, right? They're trying to maintain the integrity of those rivalries. We like to see that. But what they're not going to do, folks, is they're not going to do the divisions. They think it's the best way. And look, I think we have to look what's happening right now in the ACC Coastal, the ACC Atlantic, the Big Ten East, and the Big Ten West as a good reason why. Right now, there is no argument that the best team in the ACC, best two teams in the ACC, best three teams in the ACC, maybe even the best four teams, held the best five teams in the ACC might be on the Atlantic side. Clemson, NC State, Florida State, Wake Forest, Syracuse, those five schools are all better, in my opinion, than Pitt, Miami. Maybe you throw North Carolina in there, sure, sure. But somebody from that coastal division is going to be representing the ACC, or representing the coastal at least, in an ACC championship game. You might get, you could, uh, you could in theory, get an 11-1 Wake Forest, a 10-2 Wake Forest, a uh, you know, 11 and one NC state, maybe without, without Devin Leary, who knows, whatever. But those schools are going to be sitting at home when we get to that week in December in championship week, the big 10 West. I mean, people look, it's going to be fun. It's going to be scrappy. Who the hell knows, right? Nebraska is alive. Um, everybody's kind of just alive, but Illinois is alive. Obviously Indiana, I guess is still alive. Wisconsin is still alive, Right. Uh, Iowa, Minnesota, still kind of alive. Uh, I mean, any of those teams worth playing? Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State, the squarely, squarely the best three teams in the league by a sizable margin. No, it's going to be Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State against somebody else in a game that really doesn't sound that appetizing to me. So I think the structure, and I know the SEC East and West, they're fortunate right now, right? They're fortunate that the two big dogs in the division, um, you know, the two big dogs in the divisions are, are Georgia and Alabama. It's just worked out for them like that, right? It's just kind of how it's worked out. But even if they didn't have that, right, we'd get Georgia, Alabama, probably, um, which is good, which is what you want. They're just lucky that the byproduct of that is divisions. Right now, the Pac-12 is playing out their divisional schedule, um, but, but they have gone to, to kick the divisions, right? So they want to get their two best teams in there. And that's what the big 12 has been doing. That's what the big 12 has been aiming to do moving forward, right? The one true champion thing did not work out. So they're kicking divisions. I'm glad they're doing it here. And I doubt they go back to it. I don't think there's a situation in which, in which they lose Texas and Oklahoma and they decide to go back to divisions. There's just no guarantee you're getting your best two teams in the championship game. And that's what the big 12 needs right now. That's what the conferences like the big 12, like the PAC 12, like, I mean, to some extent, the ACC, that's what they need right now. It's important for them to get those best teams in there for playoff implications, for national interest in the game itself. That is very important. So I'm just, I just want to note that. Um, I, like, I like the fact that they're doing this. I mean, we had some really cool suggestions for divisions, right? We, we did. Um, we had some fun ones where, you know, we split OU in Texas and stuff like that. But really – the right move moving forward would be would be this. It would be to do the divisionless stuff and to make sure you're the best possible championship game. Uh, you know that that is around. He also does note Ross Dellinger in this. Leaving a year early would require the two schools to pay a cumulative estimated price tag of more than 100 million dollars. The schools already owe the league a mandatory exit fee of 80 million each. 
The exit fee stemming from an agreement they made a, uh, made years ago is required even if they stay through the grant of rights. However, officials are in the midst of ongoing negotiations over the exit fee. So Big 12 is getting paid no, no matter what is, is actually a big part of that right there uh, that we're seeing. Um, and obviously there's some conference expansion part of this part of this too. But really like this, what this guarantees is that, I mean, if you added more teams, it's a pretty seamless transition, right? You just make sure everybody plays each other. Uh, when you add more teams in and there's no division. So you're not really, you know, you protect the national rivals. Sure. But you can figure it out. Scheduling is not that we're seeing it now, especially the COVID year. Scheduling is not as, not as, um, as kind of drastic as they make it sound. All right. Let's talk some actual ball here. West Virginia outlasts Baylor in an absolute thriller. Last night, there were two, two Thursday night. Well, actually there were three. Thursday night football games on. There was Temple and UCF in which UCF scored like 70 unanswered points. Shout out to the, the Knights. That offense was humming. Gus Malzahn got them rolling. Maybe Auburn looking at young upstart. Gus Malzahn to hire. I kid. Uh, you had the debacle, which was the Thursday night game between my Washington commanders and the Chicago Bears. And it was a complete mess. Um, and then you had, as Stephen Godfrey put it on Twitter, uh, two teams setting off fireworks in the hallway when West Virginia beat Baylor 43 to 40 in Morgantown. And um, this game, you know, look, the tackling, there was some issues with it, right? Excuse me. But what that led itself to was a really fun, exciting up and down back and forth game that included a fumble return for a touchdown a blocked uh, PAT return for a touchdown. Um, big turnovers in this game. We had massive explosive plays happening in this game. Great individual performances. We had another Big 12 quarterback go down. Sadly, Blake Shapen went down in the midst of what was a really impressive night for him. 14 for 22, 326 and two touchdowns. And then we had our, you know, he, that was our sixth team this year that's had their starting quarterback go down. Oklahoma has had theirs go down. Texas has had theirs go down. TCU has had theirs go down. Texas Tech has had two of theirs go down. We've had Kansas have theirs go down. And now Baylor has had theirs go down. That is six. Once again, six separate Big 12 teams that have had their starting quarterback go down. And we've seen some really good. I thought Kyron Drones was pretty impressive in this game. Yeah, he had the interception, but JT Daniels had one late in the game as well that was not very impressive. Um, they came back on fourth down, Baylor did, and had Kyron Drones throw another ball, you know, on, on a, a fourth and goal. And, you know, this was like relatively near after he came into the game and threw a touchdown pass. And it was impressive to see that. It was impressive to see JT Daniels lead his team down the field and get a touchdown. Tony Mathis had all but really, I mean, Tony Mathis, guys, I, I saw him in the Virginia Tech game. CJ Donaldson was their guy in that game, and he had been to that point in the season. Tony Mathis fumbles in that game. Justin Johnson Jr. comes in and starts grabbing the reps. And it looks like Tony Mathis's, you know, spot in that running back rotation is in some serious doubt. And, um, you know, after he had a really big game against uh, Towson the week before, one, uh, 104 and two touchdowns, he comes back and has two, you know, a kind of average week, struggled last week. And then this week goes 22 for 163. 7.4 yards a tote, two touchdowns, was making guys miss 
all night long. And so that, you know, you kind of look back at that fumble for him. It's an inflection point and injury for Donaldson. I mean, this is a guy who responded. I think it's a really good kind of window into West Virginia football right now. This team to a man is a bit outmanned, I think, in this Big 12 conference. They do not have the depth of playmaking, it feels like, that some of these other teams have. I mean, just look, just look across the way at Baylor, right? Richard Reese, Quaylen Jones. I know those guys didn't have excellent nights, but Squirrel Williams. I mean, you know, they go Gavin Holmes and Drake Dabney. Monterey Baldwin's a playmaker, right? Ben Sims with them in the passing game. Hal Presley caught a touchdown. West Virginia, to me, does not always have the depth uh, this season. But really, this game, they showed some depth. They showed some poise. They showed playmaking. Caden Prather had a big game. Sam James. Bryce Ward Wheaton, you know, had five catches in this game, five important catches. Um, you know, th- they spread the football around in this game, but guys stepped up on defense and made plays, even though they gave up, you know, see what the total yardage was they gave up. They gave up, there was over a thousand yards of total yards in this game, 1,090 yards. Um, Baylor was getting 11.4 yards per pass in this game. Uh, West Virginia was at 7.6, but they ran the ball for six yards a pop. I mean, there was a ton of offense in this game. It was a lot of fun. But West Virginia, man, their backs have been up against the wall a couple times this year, and they've really come out with good performances, right? Towson, they killed, obviously, to be going too, but they go to Virginia Tech on a Thursday night, and they win 33-10 to 10 in relatively convincing fashion. Tough environment, tough place to play, um, you know, and and it's it's you – know, I know it's not a good team, but still it's a good win. You go and you get smacked around by Texas. Then you host Baylor on a Thursday night, and you go out there and win this game. And look, they're 3-3. Three and three. They're at Tech next week. They're at TCU at home. They're at Iowa State. They've got Oklahoma at home. they got Kansas State at home. they got Oklahoma State. It's a long road to six wins for them, and somebody has to eat losses in this league. But – but their chance to go to a bowl game, it still remains. It is still there. It is still intact. I love the fact this team is not quitting on this season. Neil Brown's group is not quitting amidst all the questions about his job security, about what comes next for him. His team is showing fight. They're not backing down. And I thought this win was one of those. I mean, they went down 10 early. And you're thinking, oh, no, this thing's turning the other way. Um, this is also was a game that broke the ESPN app. The ESPN app did not know what in the heck was happening. Um, it was, it was like, uh, it showed 11 to four at one point. It was like 16 to six. And that was not, you know, obviously you can't score five points. You can't go from four to six. And this is safety. And you have to get a, you know, four of you, two safeties. That was just not the case that was happening in this game. So it broke the ESPN app, but I have to say this guys, like a lot of fun in this product, a lot of fun in this game for Baylor. You, you think about it. Um, losing Blake Shapin is a killer, obviously, cause he was on fire on fire. In this game, absolute scorching hot in this game. It felt like a lot of big time throws. You're moving the football downfield. They're getting I mean, the deep shots, all the stuff. He's he's the real deal. He, he really is. And, and you can tell like he is going to be the real deal. He's not a huge guy, but he's got a lot of confidence. We know he can spin it. And I, I love the way he's been playing. Takes the unfortunate shot to the head. Looks like he was concussed. It was it was targeting for sure. Um. Yeah, it just really sucks to see that happen to a guy like that. But he's going to be okay. I think this Baylor team's going to be okay. The defense is not as good as we thought it was going to be. Um, they've got a lot more holes in this defense, and I think that we that we really believe it. Also, their their place kicking has been a bit tenuous, right? I think we can all agree on that. John Mayer's though did go two for two last night. Um, the field goal department. So. 
this is just not a complete team. It's not a complete team. And you look at the rest of their schedule, they don't have a good chance to get the six wins. I, I thought Baylor would be down this year. I didn't expect this down. They've got Kansas at home, at Tech, at OU, Kansas State, TCU come to them, and at Texas. So Baylor's looking at a six and six, seven and five type season um, right now with how the league is shaping out. And I, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Makes this thing really interesting. Uh, I mean, this this middle part of this league, guys, is there's a lot of strong teams there, right? And West Virginia is in the bottom part of this league. Baylor technically right now is in the bottom part of this league. Um, but they're really they're strong football teams. They're gonna beat anybody, right? They're not they're not great. They are you know prone to having bad nights, especially on the defensive end. It feels like, but they're still good football teams in my opinion, right? Uh, but what a game this was! A lot of fun. All right, quick word from our sponsors. Then we will get to the full slate, the three games, not full slate, three games that we have coming up this weekend. Today's show is brought to you all by Underdog Fantasy. Uh, you guys, if you don't download, if you have not downloaded the app yet, please do so today. We're on a special right now where you guys sign up with the promo code locked on, L O C K E D O N, locked on, and you guys can get in on the action. They'll match your first deposit. So if you deposit 100 bucks, they'll give you 100 bucks to play with as well. Once again, this episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. It's the easiest place to spice up college football. They'll give you over under. So, like, say it's Spencer Sanders yardage, uh, 200 passing yards. You, know, you can go over, you can go under, passing touchdowns for certain guys as well. They've got props such as that. So it's just you versus the number, really, is you versus the number, the way fantasy football, you know, it really should be played, or fantasy sports should be played. So check them out, Underdog Fantasy, promo code locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, locked on. You guys will be good to go. Easy to do. Uh, it'll match that deposit bonus. You guys will be ready to rock and to roll. All right, let's get to the action this weekend. 11 a.m. on ESPN2. It is number 19, Kansas, against Oklahoma. The number is at nine. Quarterbacks that we know are not playing. Jalen Daniels. Quarterbacks that we think are playing. Uh, Jason Bean. Quarterbacks that we are not sure if they are, you know, we really don't know if they're playing. Uh, Dylan Gabriel. This number's at nine, which makes you think Vegas knows that Dylan Ga- – and look, I'm I'm just applying the same logic I would apply here to the um, to the, the Alabama-Tennessee game, right? That line is seven and a half. I don't think Bama's on the road against a really good Tennessee team favored by seven and a half with their road struggles if Vegas does not know that Bryce Young is playing. I think it's very important to note. Let's apply that here because if you watch Jason Bean last week, I know it was one week against TCU, but – this OU defense is very good. There was not much of a drop-off save that one horrific interception, but it's not like Jalen Daniels didn't have a bad turnover. He had the fumble on the one-yard line. So nine makes me think, people, that Dylan Gabriel is going to play. The question is here, a couple things, how healthy are these teams? This is a tough one to spot, guys. I, I, I'm leaning Kansas. I'm leaning plus the points. But if you get Dylan Gabriel back and they're motivated and they look, they can pull together what they did against Nebraska – and maybe, maybe, you know, this Kansas team is still pretty banged up and a bunch of guys going down last week. And so they'll play with how banged up they are. We'll see. So this one's hard to handicap. Um, the more and more this week goes by, the more I'm leaning towards Oklahoma. But I feel like I should not forget their performances. You know, sometimes you want to go in one direction. You just need to think about what's actually happening here. Oklahoma's not played well. Kansas has. So I want to take these points because it's over a touchdown. I'm going to lean on Kansas. I think they win the game. I think they win the game. 
But you just hope that with Jason Bean, who was really good last week, once again, they don't go to a place like Oklahoma and fall back into some old Kansas ways and feel nervous. They've been punched in the gut now. They've lost a game. Are they a wounded animal? Is Oklahoma's outlook changed? Have they have more answers at this point in time? So many questions in this game, which makes it really hard to decipher what's going to go on. But I'm going to take the points. I'm going to take the Jayhawks. As far as result goes, I mean, from what I've seen, I have to go with Kansas close. But who the hell knows, especially with Dylan Gabriel playing, especially we don't know what version Dylan – I mean, Dylan Gabriel's been up. He's been down. He's now compromised if he plays. Is he even going to play? What's the game plan if he does if he does not play? And then they get Marvin Mims the ball and they get their playmakers the ball. We have Braden Willis throwing passes out there. Too many questions in this game. Too many questions. KU looking for their first win, I believe, in um in in Oklahoma since 1997 is what John Williams told us the other night. All right, 11 a.m. on ABC. Iowa State at number 22, Texas. Texas is a 16 point favorite. Guys, the one thing that we know about the, and this this is some of the um this is just some of the, the simple stuff we can look at all right in terms of uh in terms of like offense and scoring offense Iowa State right now is technically technically they are fourth in the league in terms of like yards they average per game uh they average 424 and a half yards a game all right but if you've watched Iowa State in some of their recent matchups, I mean, they their offense can be a real, real struggle at times. This team is now 3-3 three and three to 0-3 oh in the league. Uh, three straight losses, 31-24, 14-11, and 10-9. It has been a steady decline from 24 to 11-9, to a steady decline. This team has a bad kicking game. Uh, well, they did it a couple weeks ago. They, it's, it's been revived a little bit. Um, they were three for three last week, but you, you don't really know what you're going to get from them. They've got an offense that'll turn the ball over. They've got an offense that's got really one playmaker in Xavier Hutchinson. They've got an inconsistent running game. They've got a quarterback who we're not really sure we trust yet in Hunter Deckers. I think end up could end up being good, but they really don't have a whole lot around him, right? Like we mentioned. They've got an awesome defense, though. They've got an awesome defense. This defense this year, um, you know, in terms of like scoring and points allowed, is one of the best in the country against the past they're past their first in the league allowing 187 yards uh a game um overall they're you know in terms of in terms of yards allowed rushing wise they're third and you go totals they are in second the problem for them is when it's going to be a relentless onslaught from the offense like texas brings it's not going to go well for them and, and, and texas defense is very much improved we have to acknowledge that defense for texas has gotten a lot better they do give up some yardage in some games, but overall, I think they've become a lot better. We saw it against Alabama. Uh, Texas Tech's kind of the aberration. We saw it against West Virginia. We saw it last week. Um, you know, so I'm at the point now with Texas where I'm uh, – uh, Texas last week against Oklahoma, and Oklahoma's bad. I'm the point in Texas now where I, I am trusting it. I think they are very good. I'm not nervous about Iowa State coming in home. They are, once again, the better team. So I'm going to roll with the better team at home in this situation. 16 is a ton of points. I'll lay the 16, though. I'll lay it because this offense, I've got little confidence in it, in it for Iowa State. Maybe they surprise me. Maybe they go off in this game. But I, I, I just think, like, cumulatively, you know, Texas can cover 17. I mean, if you win this game, you know, 34 to 10, you cover that. You went 31 to 10, you cover that. You know, the 24 to 7 covers that too. 
So I, I think that Texas has the horses on defense, especially to hold down Iowa state and to cover this number. Um, maybe I'm wrong. And maybe this game's close in the end because that defense is really, really the real deal. But that Texas offense is spreading the football around right now. And it feels like when they do that, they can actually attack any defense they play. Baylor had some success against Iowa State. I think Texas can too. Last game. This is your main on your main entree. Uh, the the meal, the, the steak, the meat, potatoes, 230, ABC, undefeated Oklahoma State, undefeated TCU in Fort Worth in a battle of unbeatens. The TCU Horn Frogs are a four-point favorite in this game. These two offenses are to me some of the most impressive, especially if you look at the offense that TCU has. It's one of the best. We talk about EPA expected points added. They've got some heavy, heavy hitters when it comes to the playmakers, and that is what's concerning. Can Oklahoma State hold down uh, these guys that they're playing in this game? Can they hold down Darius Davis? Can they hold down Quentin Johnston? Can they contain Tay Barber, Kendra Miller, Amari DiMercato? Can they contain, and, and Max Duggan too. This is an offense right now that is running for six yards a carry. Uh, when Max Duggan throws, man, I mean, on average, 10.3 yards per passing play right now. 73% completion percentage, 14 touchdowns, one INT. Now you can get to him. If you get to him, he'll hold the, he'll hold the ball for a while. Problem is he's pretty good at escaping and running. Uh, more escaping, uh, more in design run plays is what I kind of mean to say. Um, I I think I'm leading TCU. Here, here's the here's the tough part of this game because I've been a Spencer Sanders guy. Like you, you all know this. I love Spencer Sanders. This is an awesome version of him. I've watched Spencer Sanders grab touchdowns all year whenever Oklahoma State's needed him. Time after time after time after time. Their offense in the Baylor game, they needed scores. They got them. Arizona State to stretch it out, they needed scores. They got them. In the game last week against Texas Tech, they needed scores. They got them. That defense, though, is too hard to ignore. It gives up a ton of yardage. It's been good in the fourth quarter. I will give Oklahoma State and their fans that. Um, I just don't know on the road in this game if I can just select Oklahoma State because I like Spencer Sanders more. Because the guy on the other side of the uh, of the way is playing really well, and he's going up against a defense that has not played very well, and I don't know how many turnovers that this defense is going to force. They're going to need to force a couple. It feels like in this game, big plays uh, on the defensive end. It feels like it's going to come down to turnovers. Uh, once again, I, I trust Oklahoma State to make plays. I think it'll be a close back and forth game. I want to take Oklahoma State because of the way I've been riding with Spencer Sanders. I don't think I can take him on the road, uh, not because of and, – and look, here's the thing. In the past, we'd be saying, I can't take them because I don't trust Spencer Sanders. I do. I do trust Spencer Sanders. I don't trust them to cover any of these guys. I don't know if they can cover one of them. They definitely can't cover two. They cannot cover Davis and Quentin Johnston simultaneously. They cannot deal with Duggan and, and Kendra Miller in the running game I think at the same time, because here's the thing their Oklahoma state's rush defense has been really strong this year. It's been very, very strong. This is the most, uh, cause Jalen Daniels goes out last week and also known Daniel Highshaw. This is the most diverse rushing attack they're going to face. 
for a complete 60 minutes right now. And once again, Jalen Daniels goes out. Jason Bean's a different kind of runner. So it was a, it was a different kind of test. Different kind of test last week for that rush defense for, for um, uh, or excuse me, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. Um, yeah, this is the best rush defense they faced. This is the best running game they faced. Sorry. Oklahoma State's rush defense. This is the best rushing game that they have faced all season. With Duggan, with Miller, with DeMarcado, with Bailey. I mean, they've got all of these guys who are who have been turning and burning this year. So I'm curious now when they when the heat is turned up in that category, how do they do? Here's the thing: if they can make Max Duggan just a passer, I know the passing numbers are great, but he still makes some mistakes. He still does make some mistakes, so they could capitalize off that. That's how the, that's how they, they they force a couple turnovers, a couple interceptions is how they get there. Get some heat on Max Duggan. He likes to hold that football in the pocket so he can get to the guys. Also, I will say once again, his intermediate throwing was excellent last week. It was really good, really strong. Um, and also, I, I don't I don't expect TCU's defense to do a great job of holding down um, of holding down Oklahoma State. I also think Oklahoma State to limit possessions this game should probably run the football more. Their offense, it's not always like it doesn't always look the prettiest and most efficient in the world, but like they can pick up third downs like nobody's business. They can get the sticks, they know how to get there. So I, I expect a game where Oklahoma State tries to win the time possession, limit the explosive plays that TCU is going to hit, and get that ball, force a couple turnovers and get that ball last. Um I'm gonna go with TCU and lay the points. Guys, this is a this is a 51-49 proposition for me. It really is. Like Texas, I feel really good about winning the game, and I feel decent actually about them covering. I know it's 16. Kansas, it's a confusing football game. This this is not a confusing game, right? Like we know what each team's strengths are. It's just a matter of who executes kind of more, or if you know something else, if something else pops up, it pops up, right? Special teams plays it, flip it. Uh, so they force Oklahoma State force those turnovers. Can they stop the run the way they have in the past? Can TCU just keep this thing rolling? Uh, you know, will they get some red zone stops in some pretty important stops to hold touchdowns, to field goals, stuff like that, like is what's going to matter in this game for two teams that we know what they are defensively. We know what they are offensively. Uh, Kansas and Oklahoma, like we've got no clue who's showing up in that game. That's what makes it tough. Iowa State, Texas, like we have a pretty good idea. That one's pretty easy. This one is awesome because we know it's going to happen. But it's 51 49 because I can make points for both sides. So, Oklahoma State fans, don't kill me because I've spent most of the time here explaining your all's path to victory in this game. So just know that like, I'll probably bet Oklahoma state when this game actually happens, I'll, I'll probably toss them in a teaser, but I might put them in a teaser with, um, with Kansas uh, maybe in this uh, uh, tomorrow, just to get this thing looking, you know, good, give me some more points. So, We'll see. Let's go TCU minus the four. Not feeling great about it, but I mean, this game's on the marquee. It, it sucks. It's the same time as a Tennessee Alabama game, but fired up, fired up for this one, fired up this week in the Big 12. Make sure you guys follow me on Twitter at LO Big 12. Follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Subscribe to the channel. We'll be back on Sunday with a recap of all the action. Till then, my friends, as always, stay safe.